Check, check, check. All right. We are in business. And we are now in Matthew 19, chapter, chapter 19, verse 16. And behold, a man came up to him, that is, a man came up to Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. And if you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So that's the story of the rich young ruler or the rich young man. Now we're going to change to the next one for Mark chapter 12. And this is Jesus talking about a widow. And he sat opposite the treasury. That's Jesus did this. He sat opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, Truly I say to you, This poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Two pretty powerful stories. And we're going to actually get into a third one where Jesus talks about money today. I don't know if you knew that, but Jesus talks about money more than almost anything else in the New Testament. There are tons and tons of passages about Jesus talking about money and what it does to us, how it masters us. And I want us to cover that this morning by thinking of greed in a certain way. That's what we're covering today, greed. I want you to think of it as a trap. One of the traps that most scares me is being locked in a basement. And there's this movie that gets at the idea, gets at my fear, and it's called Room. I don't know if you've ever seen Room, but if you don't like to be disturbed, avoid it. It's about a woman and her young son, I believe, and they get locked into a 10 by 10 shed that's soundproof in the backyard of this crazy man. And he does what he wants with them, and the child actually grows up in this 10 by 10 shed, locked up, never being able to see outside, never being able to experience the outside world. 
it's traumatizing watching something like that. And even more traumatizing than that movie is what it's based upon. I won't go into all the details because I know there's kids in here, so don't worry. But it's out of a um, story in Austria where there was a man who took his 18-year-old daughter and he locked her into this basement dungeon in his house. And he was her father, her real father. And she, he, she was kept down there for 24 years in the basement. No one knew about it. The mom didn't know about it. Um, it's very disturbing if you go. I know. It's very disturbing. You can read about it on YouTube. I'm not going to get into the details this morning. But as I was reading it, I was just reminded of the sheer terror, the sheer pain of being locked up. Captivity of any sort is disheartening, depressing. It's easy that it leads to despair. I mean, we think of anyone who's in prison, and that's the same type of feeling, right? They're locked up. They're in captivity. They are not free. Life is miserable when you're locked up. The same is true when greed has got a grip on your heart. It's captivity. Jesus said so. He says, and we read it a little bit earlier in our passage um, about the, the Westminster Larger Catechism. Jesus says, you cannot, though you try, though I try, you cannot serve two masters. It's impossible. You will either love the one and hate the other, or you will love the other and hate the first one. It is as simple as that. And what he's saying is you're going to be a slave to money if it captures your heart like a master. And it often does. And that's what I want us to dive into this morning. But I want to give us the idea that there's always hope and healing. And and as we conclude today, you'll see that the Bible, that Jesus offers incredible hope and healing for when greed gets a grip on our heart and puts us into captivity. So let's look at our first story this morning. And it's the one we just read. It's about this encounter between Jesus and the rich young ruler. It's a guy who is really well-paid and really well-groomed and really moral. This is a man that if you walked up on the street today, you would be impressed. Immediately impressed. He would step out of his BMW, sharply dressed, and he would be successful in all of his business dealings. And on top of that, he'd be a good guy. That's what this rich young ruler who's approaching Jesus, good guy. All his friends, all his family would say, upstanding dude. I mean, cares for his family. He cares for the community. He's always serving. He's always on the board. He's awesome. Elder material, if there ever was. And so this is a strange encounter. Because I think for the, for the disciples who were with Jesus that day, and for us here even today, you, you look at this person and you're like, everything's fine. That's the first impression. That's what the disciples, they were like, is he going to join our team? Hopefully he'll become a follower with us. And he, I mean, he's so clean cut. And I mean, he's going to put a lot of money in our coffers and it's going to be easy peasy sailing from here on out. But that's not, it's exactly not how Jesus encounters him. He confronts him. This man who, it honestly appears, 
at first blush that he is perfectly fine, that everything is lined up, ready to go, time to move forward. Jesus says, I challenge you. <laughs> and the disciples are like, no. <laughs> Jesus, stop. <laughs> and, and he's like, I'll, I'll, let's, let me ask you a question. He says, you say that you're following all the commandments. You say that you've got your moral life kind of buttoned up. And it's obvious that you've done very well in business and in life. Your family loves you. Your coworkers love you. And you assume you've followed all the commandments. And Jesus says, well, let's try out one commandment. Let's start. Jesus is like, all right, let's start with the first commandment. First one. What is it? Do you all know? Anyone? Anyone? You shall have no other gods before me. First commandment. All right. Jesus says, how you doing with that one? And the way that Jesus confronts him with that first commandment is he says, I want you to go and sell all of your possessions and give to the poor. Why? Seems crazy, doesn't it? But Jesus is saying, here's your God. I want you to give up that God and I want you to come follow me. And the guy's like, you got me. (laughs) Essentially what Jesus is doing in this story is Jesus is pointing out his trap. He came to Jesus. He came, um, not confronting, but he came asking Jesus, you know what? I've got most of my life buttoned up. I feel pretty good about where I am. My career is on the right track. I'm pretty morally upstanding. Everyone approves of me. But I feel like something is missing. That's what he says to Jesus. As he approaches him, he says, Jesus, how do I get Zoe? You ever heard that term? The Bible translates it eternal life. He says, Jesus, how do I get eternal life? How do I get Zoe? Something is missing. And Jesus says, oh, no, no, no. It's not just that there's a little something that I can give you that you can add to your life. I'm going to come and I'm going to wreck things. I'm going to turn you inside out and upside down. And I'm going to show you where true life is found. True Zoe. And he's like, well, I just want to add a little something, something to my life. Like, I feel like everything's fine. And Jesus is like, no, you, that's not how I operate. I don't know if you've seen this throughout scriptures, but this is how Jesus encounters a lot of people. Not just rich people, but anyone. It's always like, they walk in and they're like, how, Jesus, you, your teaching's pretty incredible. I've heard about you. You're making all this racket in town. You've got these insights into things that I've never heard quite before. You know, you're doing miracles, which seem pretty amazing, and people are awed by them. I have a big portfolio. I would love to add you to my portfolio. And that's what this guy's saying to Jesus. I'd love, Jesus, I'm a good, I'm an amazing dude. I'd love to add you to my portfolio. And Jesus is like, boom, explodes the whole portfolio and says, give it to me. So here's the point. Here's the point of this first little story. This man thinks that he can find true happiness through acquiring things, acquiring morality, acquiring possessions, acquiring more money. And Jesus comes to him and says, you have it all wrong. The only way that you can find true happiness, the word in the New Testament is zoe, is if I come and acquire you 
and add you to my portfolio. That's the only way. You cannot just take a little piece of me. You can't add a little religion to your life and everything's going to be okay and your portfolio is finally filled out. It's not how it works. It's not how I work. I'm going to come and I'm going to acquire you. And what that's going to mean, it's going to mean giving up your God. How do you identify your God? If, you know, we're in here this morning, we're like, what's Nathan talking about? My God. Isn't it, isn't it the Lord? I want you to think for just a moment what you look to, to in your life for joy and power outside of God. That's your practical God. That's the thing that you worship other than the God of the Bible. What do you look for in your life for joy and power outside of God? That's your thing. It may not be money. Often in the Bible, it's not. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty common one from the scriptures, right? But, it, but there's all kinds of other things that we look to outside of the God of the Bible for our joy and our power. But Jesus comes and he says, if you want true happiness, if you want true peace, true settledness, true contentedness, Zoe, it's only going to be in me. That's it. If I acquire you. Okay, let's move to another story. This next story um, also talks about happiness. Hang on, I gotta get to it real quick. You guys ever heard the story of the prodigal son? The prodigal son is a story in scripture. I'm gonna turn to it real quick. Here we go. From Luke chapter 15. And here's how, I'll I'll just read it because Jesus talks about it. He says, There was a man who had two sons, Jesus said. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods of the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, Wait a minute, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found So they began to celebrate. What a story. And here we have the opposite side of greed. The rich young ruler is Jesus' story about someone trying to find happiness in acquiring stuff or money. This story of the prodigal son is the opposite of that type of greed. It is, I am going to spend frivolously to find happiness. Y'all, it's still greed. Because spending frivolously still means that you've got to constantly acquire, right? 
Because if you want to spend more frivolously, you've got to acquire more. And, about, and, it's, and it's a cycle, right? And so, I mean, we know, all know examples of this. You know, when someone has gone out and they've spent their entire paycheck on, you know, alcohol and, you know, lottery tickets or something like that. And it's like, I can't pay for my rent or I can't pay to feed my kids. But, you know, I've got these other things that I bought with my money. I frivolously spent what I had. It's a form of greed. And we heard about it when we were looking at the larger catechism. It's still a way of saying, God, I am convinced that somehow I can find that zoe, that life, that happiness outside of you. I know I can can do it if I just spend a little bit more. Y'all, American consumerism has fed this to us since we were born. You've been fed this every day, all day. That you can, if you just acquire more, you can then go out and spend more, and somehow, some way through this cycle, you are going to find happiness. How many of you have found ultimate happiness through that cycle? Yeah, not me either. It's a lie. More importantly, it's a trap. It's a dangerous trap. Now, Obviously, no one besides the church is going to sell you that idea because it's how we make money, right? It's how people at the top are acquiring more. So, what they, so they can do what? Spend more. Right? It's, again, it, this vicious cycle is at every level, y'all. It's not as though, oh, it's only for those people, only for those people. It is the world that we live in. But Jesus is saying here, through both the story of the rich young ruler and through the prodigal son, There is freedom. It is possible to be freed from that cycle. I just want to give a quick example of one more story um, from how we think spending is going to bring us happiness. There were four players on the Jacksonville Jaguars who were in London. Did you hear about this? Um, One of the NFL games that they play, the Jacksonville Jaguars, that is, is in London. And four of them went out for a night on the town. And they racked up, not making this up, a $65,000 bar tab. Four of them. (laughs) No, here's the best part. And this is how you know a heart has been trapped. Here's how you know a heart has been trapped. They tried to walk out without paying. (laughs) So obviously they got arrested, brought back into the restaurant, and admittedly, at the end of the story, they ended up actually paying the cash back, and the Jaguars were like, we're going to deal with this internally. Great. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be lives changed uh, through that. But, you know, on a smaller scale, for those of us who are normal and not racking up $65,000 bar tabs, we know this same thing through what's called buyer's remorse. You ever had buyer's remorse? This feeling that deep down you've done something terrible. It's, for me, it's a pit in the stomach. And it's, it happens when you thought the thing you were buying was going to make you happy, even though you took the credit card well beyond where you should have taken the credit card. And then you get home and you realize, okay, this didn't work doubly. You're like, not only am I not very happy with my purchase, buyer's remorse, I now have to look at the new total on my maxed credit card when that comes in the mail. And I get sad with that too. So it's like this double whammy of like, 
this is terrible. It's kind of like what? A trap. It's a trap. And it will lock you and it will crush you. Some of you have experienced it worse than others. But nonetheless, we all to some degree know what I'm talking about. What greed can do in a person's life. Here's how Jesus describes what greed does in the life of the prodigal son. He says, this, pro- this son who went out was lost and dead. Now the hope is, because at the end of the story, Jesus is like, he's now found. <laughs> he's no longer dead. He's alive. But that is the way Jesus is not, does not kid around, y'all. He's like, if, if you follow, if you get and you stay in the captivity of greed, you will feel lost and you will feel like you want to die. Y'all, it's happening to people all over this world right now. Let's have compassion for them. Let's, let's ask Jesus to pull us out when we find ourselves in that same captivity. But here's uh, how I want to conclude. Two, two ways I want to conclude today. Oh, we're right on track. Rock on. As we learn from the story of the prodigal son, the father and his house are one solution. The, the prodigal son says, okay, I'm lost, I'm trapped. This is terrible. I'm going back to the father's house. Y'all, and that's where it's at. Because the father's house is where all the provisions are. And basically what it's saying is, it is in the presence of God, the actual presence of God, that you find true happiness. It's where you find the ability to receive and not just do. It's where you find that you are cared for, you are loved. Jesus, I mean, sorry, as he's telling the story of prodigal son, I didn't get into it this morning. The father of that house looks at the older son and he says, everything I have is yours. It's all yours. Trust me. Live under my roof. Live with me in your life. There's one point in John chapter 6 where the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say to him, they say, okay, Jesus, you're talking all the time about this thing called Zoe. The rich wrong ruler, he asked you for Zoe, or translated in the NIV, it's eternal life. And they're like, what is this Zoe? And Jesus says, is to know the father and his son whom he sent. That's it. It's relational, it's personal, and it's living with God under his roof, trusting in his provision. Y'all, it's freedom. It is true freedom. Now, how do we get that freedom? Well, Jesus Christ, (laughs) Christ Central Church. Who would have thought I'd talk about Jesus before we get out of here? But we know, as we read earlier, That a debt, I've talked about this before, a debt was owed to God, and Jesus paid the price. He paid the ransom. We are free in Christ. He has done it for us. Just like when Jesus was confronting the rich young ruler, and he said, it's not about what you do. I know your tendency, Jesus says, is to think that if a person has a lot of money, that that's God's blessing on their life. Or if a person has good morals, that that's God's blessing on their life. And yes, God occasionally does do that, but it's not a one-to-one. It's not a one-to-one principle. Absolutely not, says Jesus. He says, I am your treasure. And when you make me your treasure, you find Zoe. Y'all, Zoe is like floating above life. Have you ever had that in your experience? Where you felt like 
things are terrible right now. Like, my circumstances are not good, but I feel like I'm floating above it. That's Zoe. It's this sense of God's got me. God's got my finances. God's got my future. God's got me in his arms, in his hands. And I am able to face the difficulties of my life floating right above it. I can promise you that is exactly what this widow is experiencing. As she comes up to the treasury box, Jesus and his disciples are watching. They're watching all these really rich people walk up and be like, Oh, this wad of cash. Oh, let me take this and put it into the box. And you can just see the feathering dollar bills and hundred dollar bills floating around and like, Ugh. you know, they walk away and they're like, oh, okay, I did my offering for the day. And Jesus is like, guys, he's got his disciples right next to him. That's ridiculous. <laughs> those people who are putting in those big sums of money, out of, they're giving out of their abundance. They aren't actually trusting me and my father for anything in their life. <laughs> they just want to look good <laughs> when they're here on a Sunday morning. But here's this widow who's obviously floating above it all. I mean, she is cruising. And she takes everything she has to live on and she puts it in the box. And Jesus is like, there it is. There it is. Everything she had to live on. She is 100% trusting God's going to take care of me. Now, the point of his story is not, I want you to take everything you have to live on and give it to the church or to God or the poor. It's not the point Jesus is making. He's saying to the disciples, you can give without actually trusting God. It's easy to do. And the point of Jesus when he talks about greed is Jesus says to the rich young ruler, Jesus says to the disciples when he tells the story about the prodigal son, Jesus says to the disciples when he's talking about the widow and the little penny she put in, he's saying, listen, you can have freedom. That's all he's saying. You can be free of the captivity and the shackles that acquiring and spending will put your life in. Be free. So here's my application for us, Christ Central. My application for us is this. And I'm talking to myself first before anyone else. Try it. Try it. Test him. Step out in faith on what God has given you. It's what we've been called to. And, and, I, and I don't mean here, Christ Central, give more money to the church. That is not to the application. Though that'd be fine. It's this. Give your false God away. It might not be money today. It might be something. It might be success. It might be your kids or your grandkids. It might be getting that thing you want. It might be getting the degree you want. It might be getting into the school you want. I don't know what it is for you. But Jesus is saying, if you want Zoe, if you want to float above it all, let me acquire you and give me that thing. I will pry it out of your hands if need be. Why? Because I'm mean? That's not what God says. He says, because I love you. And I know, because I made you, I know what's actually going to make you happy. And it's going to give you true and utter peace in your life. Let's pray. Lord God, we need you. We just do. (laughs) 
Lord, I find myself consistently and constantly caught in the cycle of acquiring and spending. Acquiring and spending, Lord. And I think every time, this next one will be what makes me happy. This next one will get me to the place I want, and it never works. Father, teach, us, teach me that truth, and teach everyone here that truth, Lord, that, that you are our happiness, Lord. And here's the cool part, God. You've taught us in your scripture that when we are happy in you, really happy, when we have got Zoe in you, you've told us that, that at that point, you are most glorified. Your name is most honored. You are most lifted high. What a miracle it is, Lord, that when we're most happy, you are as high as you need to be. Lord, thank you that you've made us for yourself. And we thank you most of all for Jesus Christ, who allows us access to the Father's house, who bought the key to the front door so that we can be with you forever. And we pray this all in his name. Amen.